0: Hello ladies, the Big Balbozki here, and right now, you're listening to the Matt Madness Podcast. They
1: talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of this they- Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery Jr. With me this week, at least for the time being, we may have uh, a couple other co-hosts joining us at some point <laughs> throughout the night, uh, but is my good friend, Mr. Wednesday Night Live. We call him ALO. The ladies call him Balo. Uh, just got back from Hollywood to watch his L.A. Lakers.
0: Aaron, how was the trip? It was beautiful. Uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you. Um, for my seat, you saw I had good, I had pretty mm-hmm. good seats. I, I think I'm almost positive it was him, but it all came full circle because I believe I, I saw the guy who brought Power Rangers to America. <laughs> really. Yeah, walking out, walking out the exit, because because I sat where I sat was like the celebrities have to walk over there to get to their seats and leave. Oh yeah. So yeah. so I'm like, where the hell do I know this guy from? I'm like, that I think that's him. Now but, do you
1: do you know his name or no?
0: Yeah, Haim Saban.
1: And like, what level of certainty are you? Like, what percent?
0: I'm like 95 percent sure it was him. So that's pretty certain. Yeah, because he has he has a unique look. Like nobody looks like him. I'm just going to put a name on it. And then, I was scrolling through Instagram. I was like, "Oh my god, I think it was him."
1: What would you say but, to uh, him if if you had run into him?
0: I don't know. He's a dickhead, but I don't know.
1: So, <laughs> so maybe nothing. Yeah, nothing at all. <laughs> okay. It's well, then I, he, I guess it's he, good he, you didn't cross paths with him.
0: Oh yeah, 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 He's a he's a selfish prick. But from what I hear, but um. Uh, <laughs> than that food was good. We talked about rosca and chicken and waffles. Overrated. It's just mm-hmm. a California staple. Um wigs galore as you can as you can imagine and, uh i do appreciate the ability to get a fit off
1: all year <laughs> Be, meaning like you're not in like 10 degree weather or yes. like 110 degree like 100 percent humidity weather
0: yeah like you could you can wear flops all year round out there
1: well, I'll tell you what—it's on the short list of places I would really much rather live than Delaware County, Pennsylvania.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it was—it was a good time. Like everybody's beautiful people out there. It's a good time. Like I told you guys, I was outside for ten minutes out the hotel, and I saw a, a police chase down. <laughs> interesting. They caught the guy at the strip mall, which was fun. And, and Angel, she doesn't know how to like be because she's country, so she doesn't know like to mind her business. So mm-hmm. Angel's like going following the cops to see his face and stuff she's acting
1: like 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 white people act yes (laughs) (laughs) like oh let's get let's get into this let's see what's going on yes
0: Yes. So i was like get away from it. like stop stop that but it was was a good time i would go back definitely for a game or um an event that's going on but i did enjoy myself
1: maybe an nba finals game yes between the philadelphia 76ers and los angeles lakers Go coast to coast. Hey, you never know. It 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 doesn't seem that unrealistic. It doesn't that that could be what happens. Uh, and maybe we'll get to that a little bit at some point during this show. But uh, I know we uh, we came into this week with the 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 goal of doing a top ten wrestlers of the decade show. We were all going to do our own list. I have my list. I know you have yours. Uh, before we get into that, actually, you know what? I was going to get into something else first, but I guess we might as well just start this off. We could each give our number 10 wrestler. So who is your number 10 wrestler of the decade?
0: Pat, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm still deciding. <laughs> like, 10 is not enough. I can make an argument for a lot of people, and the thing with these lists are it's over a decade, and a lot of these guys, they hit all the major promotions. So they have like a big body of work, and during this show, you'll see – the glaring issue in WWE it helped will bring it up. So, I think I'll think I think I'm going to keep my number 10 at what it is. So, my number 10 even though I know we're all tired of him is Dolph Ziggler, okay? <clears throat> so, Grant this is a decade, 10, 2010 to 20 to 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 now. So, Dolph Ziggler basically he he's always that great hand and we've been we've been around for a third of the decade and He's had some highs and he's definitely had some lows. But even before we started this show, he had a lot of highs. You know, multiple time world champion, multiple time Intercontinental champion. He's known as that great hand to put guys over. He's actually had meaningful storylines, and he's been a, he's been a constant in WWE. And some of the moments you could talk about the whole, the, the, the feud with the Miz, his run as the Intercontinental Champion in late 2014, uh, winning Survivor Series, getting rid of the Authority for a few weeks. His He's money some, in the
1: bank cashing was like one yes. of the more famous ones.
0: Yeah, and the, and the and he was one of the guys that the crowd really resonated towards because I'm sure we'll get down into this later because the the format of WWE how they did business started to change around that time and Dolph Ziggler was one of those guys that the crowd actually. Cheered for, and he's had a lot of the biggest moments in WWE throughout the decade. So my number ten, I, I, I said I've been going back and forth with it all day. I have wanted to get him on my list, and I'll stick to it. So num- my number ten is Dolph Ziggler.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good choice. <clears throat> and he, a lot of his highs were, a lot of his highest highs were before we started this show, uh, and a lot of them were before I was really watching again. Uh, so my list now I had fifteen names that. I was like these are the 15 people that I'm truly considering. So I had to like knock off 5 of them to get down to 10, which was tough. As I was like putting it together, there there kept being like, well, damn, I only have 2 spots left Yeah, and there's like 4 people I really feel like should be on. Yeah, cause How I, do I I, I...
0: I kind of cheated a little bit, but you'll see what I did. It's yeah, not yeah. really a cheat, <laughs> but it, it it's valid. It's a valid pick.
1: Yeah, so my list. Now you know, a lot of times with these lists, I like to, I like to do a bit, or do a joke, or like do things that are definitely like either that you would expect from me, or something that will get a pop out of the other guys on the show or the listener. Uh, but I kind of tried to avoid that because I figured, you know, I am going to take this seriously. But my list is very much my own list. I don't think there is anyone else in the world who will have a list. Like mine,
0: so uh, so uh Okada's not on your list.
1: Not on my list. No, he's not
0: on mine either. So you he, guys could cut. Y'all could turn the episode off now.
1: Yeah, he yeah. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't even on my fifteen. Like he wasn't even in, in the running. Uh, but yeah, it, it's very much my list. Like based on my criteria of what I care about, what matters to me, what I think matters. So and also some of it is weighted more heavily towards. What I have actually watched during this decade, which is like 2014 and then probably even more 2015, 2016 on. So my number 10 is someone who is a now a multiple-time champion, is someone who is a champion in two very different incarnations, is someone who has created a lot of buzz in two very different incarnations, and one of them is very recent, and that is Bray Wyatt. Really? Bray Wyatt is my number 10 because I feel like his character, when he first came up out of NXT, was so unique, was so interesting. Uh, he was a heel, but people wanted to cheer for him. I felt like the Wyatt family was such like a cool faction. And while he probably didn't reach the heights that a lot of us thought he could or wished that he would, like I... None of that was his own fault. And the fact that he could come back after basically being written off as like, this guy's done, like nobody will ever buy into this guy again, for him to come back as with the Firefly Funhouse and with the Fiend character, like to me, the the level that he got to with the Fiend, like that whole series with the Funhouse and meeting the Fiend and seeing the Fiend first appear, I don't know that there's anything that's happened in the last two years that has gotten people so universally excited. So for that, I make him number 10. And part of why I did officially put him number 10 on the list today was that I saw that he did become the Universal Champion. So he's now a two-time world champion in WWE. I believe he held the WWE Championship and now the Universal Championship. And we'll talk a little bit about that at some point in the show. But that is my my number 10. So we're, we're pretty different on our number 10s. Like you almost can't get too much different than those two guys.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I thought about Bray, but I was, but I was just like, he, I, I couldn't think of how many highs he had, but I know he had a bunch of a bunch of lows, but he, he did cross my mind. But even in like my other five, of my other five, he just, I, I just could I couldn't do it. <laughs> but, like, but like you said, it's, the success now is so much predicated on your writing, especially in this decade.
1: Yeah, like I'm trying not to to take away from anyone based on the material they're given because none of them really have input. And what input they have is probably not really, they probably don't really have the input that they think they have or they're being told that they have. Uh, So before we move on to our number nine, so a big part of this show now every week is talking about ratings. It's like it is the late <laughs> I'll 90s. Wait for again. This. And ratings across the board are like borderline embarrassing for for almost all parties involved. Now, part of me wants to say almost like wrestling now is so overexposed that the people who like kind of are into it, are now like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I I honestly, and I hate to say this, I wasn't even interested in watching AEW this week. I wanted to try to watch it today, and I just didn't end up with time. I opted to watch two episodes of Total Divas instead.
0: Oh, you caught up. I did. I was, uh, I, uh, I, I was actually watching Jersey Shore Family Vacation, because <laughs> my supervisor, he... He looks like the situation, and we give him a hard time about. It. He looks like, of <laughs> course, between situation and Cole Cabana. Wow,
1: that's a yeah. really interesting combo. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, does that mean like he's Cole... more of like a chunky situation? He's not. Okay.
0: So no, he's not. He. I say he favors more Cole Cabana, but none of my coworkers know who Cole Cabana is. But they, so they make the situation joke. But he looks spot on like Cole Cabana. <laughs> so. Uh, my coworker Paul, he always asks me, "Have I watched it?" And my, must I say, you might have to watch this. Uh, this is yeah? good stuff. It's that good. <laughs> this is good stuff.
1: All right, you'll have to remind me. Uh, I will to, to give it a chance. Uh, but yeah, across the board, ratings seem down. I really think that it it it's a it's some one of these two explanations. One is that this overexposure the last, especially the last month has had people that are, like, straddling the fence on wrestling being like, ah, no thanks. Especially with all the hype that everything got. And there is nothing really... There's nothing behind all the hype. It was just hype with no real substance. Now, the other possible explanation is the CK and Joe explanation of now that there are so many options, people can just kind of choose, like, which one they want to get in on, and it's taking away viewers' from elsewhere and that was actually one of the I don't know if you remember this or not one of the first conversations we had about this about AEW possibly being a threat i said a lot of people don't see it as a threat cuz they're not going head to head with raw and they can't really compete with raw but what i where i saw them as a threat was the idea that a lot of people who now have this show to watch on wednesday nights may just choose to not watch anymore on wednesday, on monday nights or on friday nights And that may be what's happening, is people are choosing the promotion they want Mm -hmm. to watch and then leaving the other ones alone. So, SmackDown on Friday night. Now, it was only on FS1, which probably explains some of it, but 888,000 viewers.
0: Yeah, because are you done talking about it right now?
1: Well, the only thing I'm going to say is I I just want to make this statement. Last week's AEW show, which did not do a great, did not get great viewership, outdrew SmackDown. Yeah, I believe it was. Well, let's see, I have it.
0: It, it, it was. It was like nine hundred sixty-three
1: thousand. to yeah. eight eighty-eight. So AEW last week was the highest-rated wrestling program on television, with not a great rating, but. Proceed with with what your your comment was going to be.
0: Yeah, so you so basically you know WWE they're going to they're going to use the they're going to create the explanation of well it was on FS one and not Fox, but you know I can buy that argument, but I'm not going to side with them on the argument because you can make a, a violent argument about a lot of things, but the fact that you couldn't get 120,000 more people to hit a million. To beat AEW. You know, they're not head to head, so I'm not going to say it's a big deal. AEW just had a better rating than them. But to think that SmackDown has lost 4 million viewers in the course of a month, even though now it'll be curious to see what the bounce back is on Friday because, one, we have a new Universal Champion, and Bray Wyatt, I think he's supposed to be on the Funhouse. I mean, um, not the Funhouse, Miss TV this week. So. So he, he won a title tonight, he, and you get, you get the first appearance of him with a title. And that'll be in, uh, interesting to see, too, because are you going to get the feet or are you going to get Bray Wyatt on Miss TV with the title? So that sparks interest in SmackDown. So it, it's interesting to see what the bounce back would be. But even even like if. Because granted, if you have a rec, regular ESPN, I believe you should, you should get Fox Sports 1. Even if they had an extra million. That's still under two million viewers, and that's still a three million viewer drop off. Right, and you could blame the world. You could say the World Series too, but it's still like, no matter what, that's still close to three million viewers. Because what if the World Series was on FS1 and Fox was just on um, SmackDown was just on Fox, we, 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 you would have got a 2.
1: <laughs> so like yeah, and, and let's not pretend like the World Series is getting a huge rating either.
0: Yeah, baseball. Baseball. How like, many people do terrible. you
1: know that are were watching the World Series because. I don't know that many.
0: The demographic is the older people, and all my coworkers, they watch baseball. So I I would say the older demographic. But yeah, it's just like you you could blame it on a lot of things NBA Friday, World Series, you had to move it to FS1. But I believe if you have ESPN, you should have FS1. But even no matter what, no matter what, like I say, even if you got a million viewers extra, you still lost 3 million viewers in a month. And 1.8 is still below 2, and that's lower each week.
1: Yep, it's gone down every week. Raw on Monday did 2.13 million viewers. Uh, third worst non-holiday rating in the history of Raw. So any, any excuse you could make for why SmackDown's ratings were so bad, to me, you're losing the argument already with how poor Raw's ratings were on Monday. Like, it yeah. is clear that people don't care. People are not interested. WWE is not doing anything to make people feel the need to tune in. Uh, they're just not. There's, there's no reason to get excited about that show every week. You, you you can skip it for a month and tune in on that fifth week and probably don't feel like you, you missed anything. You probably don't feel lost
0: Yeah, because, because it's well, the I- same thing. Because I was away in LA and I was just like scrolling through Instagram. I'm like, look, I'm not watching this shit. So that's why I text you guys the next day. I'm not watching this. Uh, I was in the same boat with you with AEW. Like, I watched some of it. And same thing with NXT. I was just scrolling through it. I wasn't really like uh, interpreting anything. I was just like watching it to watch it. But I was in the same boat as you. And like, when I saw this, it, like, look, I have nothing to say. And what the hell's Bob made eventing vetting for? <laughs>
1: Who thinks this is a good idea? <laughs> like I that's what I would love to know. Who is who thinks that this is what anyone wants to see, what anyone is interested in, what anybody is going to get excited about? Like I would love to talk to that person and let them try to sell me on it because I can't think of maybe 5 people in WWE that I'm less interested in seeing let alone some stupid story with Lana, who I don't care for either.
0: Yeah, and the, and the whole thing was, Ruta's a sex addict. I'm like, this is what you go going to main event and roll with? Or we'll end raw with? Is this? Yeah, it's stupid. And
1: even outside of just WWE, like, this week, AEW got 759,000 viewers, NXT, 580,000 viewers. So the first week of Dynamite, they got 1.4 million this week. They got 760,000. Their ratings have dropped by almost half in the five weeks they've been on the air. NXT 1.2 million viewers on their first Wednesday night show on USA. They've dropped by more than 50 percent since their first show. So there was this, and you probably remember this because I know you watched the the Monday Night Wars series on uh, WWE Network. And you know how they edited that, where you'd see like this—the the same person say like the same line five or six different times throughout it. Chris Jericho probably said this on like four or five different episodes. You know that's when that's when viewers just started leaving in droves. That he made that exact phrase, and that's I feel like what's happening now is they hit a high water. Everybody hit a high water mark a month ago. And it has just been like a steady decline since then because nobody has done anything to make anyone other than the absolute hardcore fans want to stay, which is why something I said either last week or the week before, I think it needs to be realized that this is not a mainstream product. The average TV viewer is not interested in this. You should start catering it to the people who are watching it because you can't afford to lose the people who are still there, because you're not you're not gaining anyone else. Like what was the thing Dennis Green said, or somebody said, or maybe it was sure. even Rick Pitino when he was coaching the Celtics. Like Larry Bird isn't walking through that door, whatever the hell the the <laughs> phrase was. Like this is not going to be 1999 or 2000 all over again. It is what it is, and you need to start figuring out how to be successful with. The market that you have, and and you're not. None of them really are. Maybe you can make the case for AEW because I, I believe that the people who are into it are really enjoying it. Yeah, but <clears throat> but it's just not that many people.
0: Yeah, and about that, um, I remember we talked about the whole Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff thing a few weeks ago. So I have listened to a few episodes of Bischoff's podcast. Now I've learned nothing about what Bischoff uses talent. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that was my point about a point when I took my position on Bruce Pritchard taking taking uh, his place. Yeah. But Bisch, Bischoff, I'm into like I'm I'm into it because of with everything he's talking about about the business of it because you know you know that, that that gets that gets me. So he talked about when Ted Turner gave him Nitro and wanted to make it two hours that he had to see what WWE wasn't doing. And the, and the demographic that they weren't getting and try to get those people. Now, Grant, WWE is for the kids, and the kids do rule. Ki- kids trump all. But the one reason w- WCW took off right away is because it got all those mature viewers. And and we talked about AEW, too. Like, AEW, just the wrestling doesn't you know, grab me. It doesn't grab you, either. We need a little bit more. The wrestling's fine, but we need more to grab onto it. But you just say... the. Everybody watching AEW seems to be enjoying it, and they don't have a problem And as long as they're enjoying it. But it's just the the amount of wrestling fans is just so low.
1: Yeah, like if you think about it, even if you were to say that nobody is watching both shows, like let's just say everyone who watches one show is not watching anything else. So every viewer that is tracked is a unique viewer. So you look at Monday night, 2.1 million people watched wrestling. Wednesday night, you had 760,000, so that gets you to what? Like roughly 2.9 million people. Then NXT had roughly 600,000. That gets you to 3.5 million people watched wrestling. Uh, Friday night, 888,000. So that puts you, we'll say, 900,000. That gets you to what? When I say it was 3.5, that gets you to like 4.4 million people watched wrestling.
0: You got to cut that in half because it's probably people watching... Right. Both
1: shows. So so like this is my point. Even if you act like every yeah. viewer was completely unique, it's 4.4 4 million people watched and we all we all know wasn't 4.4 4 million unique viewers. Yeah. It probably even the best case scenario. There's probably a million people that watched all of it. Yeah. Or maybe not a million, but you know what I mean. Like that watched yeah, sure more me. than one thing. The first Smackdown on Fox had more viewers than the total number of viewers that watched all of those shows last week. Yeah. Like that that should tell you something. Like I I don't know if anyone's gonna be writing about wrestling being back ever again.
0: <laughs> or wrestling
1: being cool ever again. Because I-, I just don't think it is and I don't I don't know what it would take to get it there, but whatever it will take, nobody is doing it. Clearly nobody's doing it. Um nope so before we move on from this i guess we'll we'll go to who was your number nine wrestler of the last decade
0: so my number nine is i went with cody um the reason i went with cody early in the decade i was a big fan of cody he was the Intercontinental champion on smackdown one of the the best things happening on smackdown because smackdown was really the b show no they they didn't really care mark Henry was the world champion had a bunch of mid-card guys but cody kind of as Macho Man said, say, he was the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> prep prep wasn't a Cody guy. I was all in on Cody. You know, like I said, the ring work isn't always the most important thing to me. So when Cody he 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 was the heel through a Randy Orton came back with he had the um the disfigured Cody Rhodes angle with Rey Mysterio. I thought it was great how he would put put paper bags over people's heads and use his mask as a weapon and even um. When he did the storyline with the Shield, and he got with Dustin, and they had those great matches with the Shield, and that their tag his tag team work with Dustin, fantastic. And then he had that, that Stardust thing, and then he was stagnant. And then a few years later, he actually he gets his finally gets his release, joins Bullet Club, and a lot of people doubted him. And even when Cody first joined Bullet Club, I was like, why? Why is he joining Bullet Club? Even it's a smart move, but like why? Like how is it? How is this happening right now? And why? But it turned out to be the best thing for him. And he became like the hottest thing in wrestling. And he became the NWH champion, the ROH champion, um, former ROH six man tag team champion. He's had a huge impact with on, on the third we've been doing, third of the year we've been doing this yeah. show. And he's also like, we just talked about AEW, even though wrestling isn't what it was in the two, late nineties and two thousands, but he's been a big part of this whole entire decade. And he's helped change the business. So Cody's my number nine.
1: Uh, I thought about Cody, but he didn't make my my list of 15. My number nine is actually Becky Lynch. And my main reason for that is I feel like she is the first woman to kind of actually compete with the men. And not as like, in the, in the way Sable did, or... People like that, where they, they did it with, like, sex appeal or whatever. She did it with her her wrestling and her character. Like, her, my, her work on, on the microphone, her work in the ring, and the character that she developed, her work on social media. So I feel like she deserves to be recognized as one of the ten best wrestlers of the decade because she has done something that I don't believe any other woman has done. And... So, and especially because she is someone that I don't think any of us saw as the one to be able to do it. Like, I know I figured Sasha was the one who, who would be able to do it. A lot of people thought Charlotte Flair, well, Ashley Flair, would be able <laughs> to do it. A lot of people thought Ronda Rousey would do it. And while she got some notoriety, she was not really on the level of where Becky Lynch is, where she is truly viewed as like, maybe the the best that they have in WWE and she's like right on par with anyone else in any other promotion as far as how big she's gotten and came out of nowhere but it has lasted a really long time now so for that like it's not like it was oh this fluke three weeks that she got over and it kind of died off there were times when it dipped a little bit but she always got it back so that is my number nine I actually thought about putting her a little higher but There's just so many other good names to put in there, but I thought that she deserved to be recognized. I didn't think anybody else would have her in there, so that is why she is my number nine.
0: And, oh, go ahead. I'm still trying to work this list right, so. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Well, I'll go with my number eight next. Okay. Uh, And my number eight is Kevin Owens slash Kevin Steen. Reason being, one, now, while I was not a big ROH guy at, the, at his time there, and I was not following his work before he got to NXT, I am very aware that he had this like legendary independent career. He had this legendary feud with you know, Sami Zayn before getting to NXT, and I think that's something that deserves to be mentioned, that he did have such a following before getting on a major platform. And then I think you have to look at, like, I feel like... Now, maybe I'm wrong about this, or maybe it's just because it happened to coincide when when with when I started getting back into it and started getting on board with NXT. But to me, he was, like, the first, like, high-level, like, big-time NXT champion. Like, that's... when When I think of him, that's what I think about. Like, he was the champion in NXT, where it was like, oh, NXT is, like, a real thing, and he's the champion... And a lot of people recognize that he's a big deal. And then that led to him getting that feud with John Cena and him beating John Cena. And while he also has had a lot of highs and lows, I feel like the stuff he did before WWE is probably like on par with anyone else who had a high-level indie career. The stuff he did in NXT, I feel like, was on par with anyone that's had a great NXT career. And... His highs have been arguably as high as just about anyone in the time he's been on the main roster. So, for those reasons, I think he's he warrants a place in the top ten. Yeah, his WWE main roster career hasn't always been great, but I just think his entire body of work throughout the decade. There are not many people that can match what he's accomplished.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you threw the whole Kevin Steen part in there too, because <laughs> because like I said that like I said at the top of the show through a decade everybody's almost hit all the top promotions and at the same time we don't know everything and we never we never claimed to know everything so we now we don't know everything that happened the, during kevin owens run as kevin seen in ring of honor but it's kevin owens is still recognized and from from a few things we did see he wasn't he is important and he was important through this decade so my number eight this is where i kind of start cheating but <laughs> It's valid. It's a valid sheet. So my number eight, I went with the Shield as a unit. So the Shield, it's, talk. So with the Shield, they the way they debuted, I, I feel it was perfect. Um, there was mystery. There was mystery behind it, and it it was quote unquote CM Punk's idea, but it was a, it was complete mystery behind it. And the way that the crowd actually. Got behind these guys because it was different. Like even when they would shoot the promos in the camera without the WWE logo, it was a small touch, but it was still a big deal because it looked like they actually took mm-hmm. over the show. It was actually it was actually a big deal. Like their undefeated streak, I thought was fantastic. The matches they the six man combination matches they would have with with certain people, uh, Team Hell No, The Undertaker. They the, the matches with Evolution all fantastic as well and then the way the singles careers took off with Seth Rollins as the heel in 2014 and 2015 winning the world title and and US titles from John Cena Roman Reigns you know he writing was uh indicative to his success as well and even though that's been up and down uh Dean Ambrose you know I'm not a big fan of Dean Ambrose but he might have he might have a He has a better argument about bad writing than Roman Reigns does. (laughs) And he's like, I'm I'm no Dean Ambrose guy as a singles, but in The Shield, I was all for it. And they've been a staple for eight years now. And as much as we've had enjoyment from these guys, that's also – a problem because they've been in the same spot for eight years, <laughs> and nothing else new is happening. Same thing with Dolph Ziggler being my number ten, same spot for all these years. You're seeing the same thing, so I went with the Shield for I went I went with the Shield with my number eight because they were. When you think about the, this past decade, you can't think about this decade without saying the Shield.
1: Yeah, so I'm kind of glad that you put them in there because. So I actually left off one tag team that I wanted to put on there because I just felt like my individuals, I wanted them all to get on there. And then there was one tag team slash faction that I didn't put on there. So I might as well just tell you who they are. The Young Bucks I was going to put on because of a lot of the stuff you said about Cody, like the influence they've had on this like current trend that has happened. And the fact that they were like one of those teams or like one of those some of that talent that, like, outside of WWE that was causing a huge stir, like, even five, six years ago, where people were talking about them, people were wearing their T-shirts, and but I kept them off, and The New Day was the other one that I kept off. And there was a thought of each of the Shield members for me, but I don't have anyone on the Shield on my list. So I'm glad that you brought them up as a faction, because now they at least are all represented on the show for the past decade. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about The Fiend winning the championship today? I or, haven't seen it. Or so do you want to jump right into our number sevens?
0: We could jump into number seven because I haven't seen anything. Uh,
1: okay, so my number seven is Jay Lethal uh, because, I, I mean, really, simply, one, he's been around for so long. And he's been doing great things for so long. And I don't even know if some of the stuff I'm about to mention was even from this decade, but like the stuff he did as Black Machismo, the stuff he did with Ric Flair, you know, impersonating Ric Flair, the runs he had as the TV champion in Ring of Honor, his runs as the Ring of Honor world champion, and the fact that he kind of has become like. The standard bearer for Ring of Honor, like he is, like I don't want to say the Michael Jordan of that promotion, (laughs) but that's kind of what he is. Like he's the face of it. He is the guy that has been the mainstay there, and to me, that that's a big deal. When you are like almost like AJ Styles was with uh, with TNA, like he was the face of TNA. He was the franchise. That's kind of what Jay Lethal is for Ring of Honor. And I'll, I'm, I'll, I promise you I have not paid any attention to Ring of Honor in the last couple years. So I, I believe don't, it. So I don't know if that's still the case, that he's like the face or he's like their, their like biggest guy. But I know for a while he was. He has been loyal to them. He's probably had plenty of opportunity to jump to WWE, and he stayed there. And he's one of the guys, when I first started getting back into wrestling again, that, that captured my attention. Uh, he's one of the guys whose matches I would want to see. He's one of the guys that I always cared about what he was doing, even if I wasn't following his particular promotion. So, and and I didn't know if he was someone anyone else would really think of or consider. So I felt like that's why I wanted to to put him on. So any thoughts you might have on Jay Lethal, and then your number seven?
0: Yeah, I yeah I I don't mind the pick. He he, he did run by my mind. Uh, his run as the TV and was it yeah, the TV and the mm-hmm. world champion in twenty fifteen. Great. The matches he had that year are great. He did cross my mind. But my number seven, once again, I thought about cheating, but I'm mm. not going to cheat this time. My number seven, it was going to be Ashley Banks. Wow. But uh, <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. But I'm going with Sasha Banks. Uh, I, like I said, I've been trying to work this list, and I'm trying to work Charlotte and Ashley in here. But you would appreciate if I didn't work Ashley in I would in very here. much appreciate. <laughs> but like, I don't think she'd
1: Charlotte, be on my overrated list for the decade.
0: <laughs> I don't think Charlotte would have reached the heights if it wasn't for Sasha Banks because of that constant worker. And Sasha Banks, I think, even though WWE d- didn't put her in the forefront of the main roster, but I think Sasha Banks was that whole NXT women's. NXT Women's Division when they when when they were at their highest and Sasha Banks as a performer has been excellent so once again success is predicated on writing and her writing's been terrible but the constant she's been in the decade for women's wrestling all, 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 always showing up and being that great hand and like I said those NXT that NXT run even though NXT's seen different instances on television now the NXT run I believe is arguably one of the top runs. Any, any NXT superstar has had. I'll put it up. Put it up there with Kevin Owens as the best between Kevin Owens, Sasha Banks, and Finn Balor. But Sasha Banks, she's my number seven. So I'll keep Ashley off just for you. Thank you.
1: Uh, yeah, Sasha was on my list of fifteen. I didn't put her in. I basically chose between Becky and Sasha, and I chose Becky. But yeah, Sasha Banks. We've talked about this a lot. Almost every woman on that roster's best matches. Or like, if you think of their best match or their most important match, it came in the ring with Sasha. You had Sasha, yeah. Her women's championship reign felt like the like it was very important. Felt like a big deal. Felt like it mattered more so than anyone else's. Like Oscar may have had the quote unquote most dominant uh, title reign. Maybe Shayna Baszler has that claim now. Uh, Bailey had a really long run, but none of those title reigns felt as meaningful as Sasha's seven-month reign did. Uh, Even her losing the title felt like a bigger deal than almost anyone else's title reign. Like her match at the first TakeOver Brooklyn with Bayley. I mean, arguably the greatest women's match of all time. Uh, Now, there have been some that have competed with it over the years, and I'm sure plenty of people would put some of the matches from the last two years above it. But that match then followed by their Iron Man match, which was another big deal. Like, she, once you kind of lose and go to the main roster, you're supposed to be done. But they actually had her come back because they kind of wanted to squeeze a little more juice from that orange, and, and it, like, warranted it. So, and yeah, she's been a part of a lot of firsts on the main roster. She's been a part of a lot of, like, really big things. Like, her run in that first Rumble was a big deal, you know? Like... She was the, one of the first two in, right? Yeah, she was number one, and she yeah, and she was there until like the very end. Like she was one of the last four or five people left in there. Uh, first, Hell in a Cell match with Ashley Flair. She had the <laughs> the, the legendary, uh, I guess, Falls Count Anywhere title match with yep. Ashley Flair.
0: Like she, two, the two Iron Woman matches.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like she even like her match with Becky Lynch. Like I feel like that's kind of. Not that Becky wasn't didn't have some popularity before, but I feel like that raised the level of Becky Lynch in NXT. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, I th- I think she she deserves a spot on the list. She got consideration for me. I went with Becky Lynch instead. Uh before we well, we'll do number six, and that'll we'll each have half of our list done. And then I'll I'll talk about a little bit about the fiend to break up our top half. So do you want to give your number six first, or do you want me to? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll give I'll my number six. Uh, once again, I, I went with a unit and I went with the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. As social media grew, so did them um, in late 2014, 2015. That's when the buzz of Young Bucks and Kenny Omega really took off because of the growth of, of Instagram and Twitter. You start you can actually start to see the clips now because Instagram was able to just post video and the YouTube stuff came around and the, the whole being the elite show came around and the way they changed wrestling, you know, people saw them. and it was like, oh, why isn't WWE doing this? Right. And then sh- shortly after WWE, they adapted to that style a bit to cater to that fan saying, why isn't WWE doing this? Now, my problem with the bucks and Kenny, and I, I believe you have the same problem with them too, is it, a lot of times they're just matches and moves, and that's not enough to, to kind of draw me in. And now with AEW having a weekly show, that can kind of that could possibly co- become fixed because it's actually story being told. but Kenny but the, but the way the young bucks, the matches they had against the Hardys, the matches they had in Japan, you gotta, you got to give them credit and also like I said with Cody, their buzz and their creativity got them. To where they are now, and also with Kenny, the matches with Tanahashi, Okada, all being deemed the best wrestler in the world, or in the top five in the last five five to six years, all big deals. Even the WWE kind of feared they feared this these guys as a unit and tried to sign them to these record setting contracts earlier in the year. So my number six is the Elite Kenny Omega in the Young Bucks.
1: Uh, very good choices, very deserving. Uh, I talked a little about a little bit about the young bucks already, so I'm not going to repeat myself. My number six, Daniel Bryan, um, probably could make a case that he could be higher, uh, and maybe I shouldn't have penalized him for the years that he missed. But it's just a shame that like he had maybe he may have had the highest high point of anyone in the last ten years. Like, that moment at WrestleMania 30 of him winning the title after that whole journey. Like, I don't know if anyone had a run that big like Daniel Bryan did. But then, unfortunately, like a month and a half later, he's done for like three or four years, however long it was. And while he has had a a pretty good run since he came back, and at times it was a great run, it hasn't been consistently great since he's been back. So, to me, deserving of being in the top ten because he had maybe the greatest run of the decade uh, leading up to WrestleMania 30. Uh, but I don't know if there was, like, enough else after that that keeps him on the top half of the list. So, he is my number six. Uh, and you may have Daniel Bryan on this list in the top five. He's, in my, he's on my list. Okay, so you could talk about him when you get to it. I do want to talk a little bit about The Fiend winning the championship today because I feel like they could not have handled this any worse.
0: (laughs) Because of fan backlash from Hell in a Cell.
1: So they do all that nonsense at Hell in a Cell. I am doing backflips to figure out ways to justify what they did at Hell in a Cell. None of that stuff ends up really being part of the equation. Then on this show that to me, now maybe this is just my bias, but like because I don't care about it at all. But I feel like you have him win this title on maybe a show that your average WWE fan is the least interested in. Like I don't feel like your average WWE fan cared all that much about Crown Jewel. So now to make up for the mistakes you made at Hell in a Cell, you have him win on this show that a lot of people probably aren't even watching live in front you know in Saudi Arabia where you shouldn't even be and honestly like does it even feel like it matters that the fiend is the champion um <sighs> like do you feel like that's a big deal because I don't I saw it and I was like
0: mm. at this point no if hell in a cell yes because hell in a cell would just been his second match now I'm not sure how the network works, um, because of basically they make you look. They make you have to watch it, basically. Like the Fiend One, I got to see how the Fiend One. So they're gonna actually make it feel important, unlike last year when they had uh, Homage and Michael against Mark and Glenn yeah. in the main event. We nobody had to see that, but they're actually making you want, making you have to watch this and. Want to see the fiend actually win the match? So I get it. Am I going to watch that match? Probably, <laughs> but that—that's what they want because it's just it's on demand, and you'll as long as you stream it. That's all they care about because they'll have the streaming numbers for it. I get it, but the mistake was hell in the cell. Then are you now? My thing is about I, I don't know what the hell they're doing is because remember I said the draft I thought they were going to drop it, and it appeared to me that they were going to drop it because Bray got drafted. To SmackDown. Now, I'm not sure if that means Bray Wyatt, Funhouse, is on SmackDown and The Fiend's on Raw or whatever, but they'll they'll make something up to, to get Bray, The Fiend on Raw or whatever. But the mistake was at Hell in a Cell. And now they're just rectifying a mistake.
1: Yeah, I just feel like he didn't need to be the champion. He didn't need to be in a championship match yet. You did it. You had him lose. There were ways you could have explained him losing that would have, like, made sense for the character. They didn't do that. Now you, it just feels like they're like, oh, well, we messed up, so let's just make him the champion now. And it feels very hollow to me and meaningless, which is a shame. And I, you know that me, more than just about anyone, like, was interested in the Fiend and excited about the Fiend. And now I'm at the point where, like, I just don't care that much. Like I'm not I don't feel right now like oh, I need to I need to tune in to Smackdown tomorrow to see what happens. Oh, I need to tune in to Raw on Monday to see what happens. It feels very empty to me, which is a shame that like I feel like they mishandled this thing so much. They took something that had so much potential and made me not care about it. Now I don't know if that's like the popular feeling. I don't know if that's how everyone feels. Maybe most people are still interested in it. It doesn't feel that way to me, and I shouldn't be surprised because it's kind of what they do with everything—is—is uh, is running into the ground. So, yeah, I—I I was honestly like, even when I saw it, I wasn't even excited. I was more disappointed. Like, you could have done something so much better with this, and I feel like I feel bad for for Bray. Like the a level of passion he had for this, the level of creativity and the level of effort he put into this. For now, like, he probably knows that this is not as interesting to people as it was a month ago. And to me, that really sucks, and that's a shame. Uh, and I don't know what they're going to do with him as the champion. Like, I have Neither no I. idea. I have no,
0: I have no idea which direction they're going because I don't know if you saw, but NXT is going to be a part of Survivor Series this year. So I don't I don't know what direction they're going in at all.
1: Yeah, I did not see that. Um Yeah, I have nothing else really to say about it, and I, I didn't. Congratulations to Natty and uh, Lacey Evans for being the first women's match in Saudi Arabia for whatever that means. Um, I don't know. Is there is there anything else that happened this week in the world of wrestling that needs to be talked about?
0: Um, no. SCU won the tag AEW tag titles, which I think That's was a good it. choice. Yeah,
1: like a very smart choice. Jericho wore a horrible blazer, but pulled it off. Mm-hmm, of course. <laughs> oh, that, that's about it. All right. Well, yeah, I know I have nothing to talk about. so. Well, I'll give – well, actually, give your number five. I'll give mine, and then we'll talk about something else for a little bit, and then we'll finish off our list. So who is your number five?
0: Right, my number five is CM Punk. Okay. Starts, starts off the decade with the Straight Edge Society. Real, real underrated stuff because he was just in limbo. For about a year and a half into the year, so that that stuff was all great. Also, everybody think one think about CM Punk think about the pipe bomb. Um, a lot of people still to this day are like, was this real? Like, did they did they script this for him or <laughs> or or what? Like, is this is how he fa- feels or what? You know, a lot of people still have these questions today. And from what from what I've seen on for what I've seen and and in red including Eric like that actually got him back into wrestling I know a lot of times a lot of people that got back into wrestling and then I believe with Money in, Bank, Money in the Bank 2011 Punk wasn't selling until the day of so and then that whole storyline about him quote, unquote, walking out the comp- walking out of the company as the champion taking it to all over the, all the other promotions you know that that that, that, that was a flop and we may get to that before the end of the year that whole thing was a flop mm-hmm. but and it got to the point where WWE, they didn't know how to handle him. You know, they fed, they fed him the homage, they fed him to the Miz and Truth, and Punk. When he did win the title and resign, he did kind of change the landscape of wrestling because it was once again that smaller guy and the worker being the best, being the best champion, being the being the being the champion. You know, he had the matches with um, Daniel Bryan and his when he was the champion that everybody loved. Um, he. For the Rock, <laughs> which everybody hated, that the Hell mm-hmm. How, How The Rock beat him. The matches with John Cena, all were excellent. Some of his best works. John Cena, by far, his his greatest rival and adversary. And then, all of a sudden, he's gone. And because because he was unhappy, he took his ball and went home. He, he did what he had to do. And too little, too gone, too soon for me. Um, but I, I do think he did well. Even though I say that, I think he did a lot in that time span in that in those uh four and a half years but you know CM Punk you know we still a lot of people still want him back in WWE I think his time has passed (laughs) I don't think he'll be much of a big deal in the long run for WWE if they actually got him to come back but CM Punk he's my number five of the decade
1: he was on my list of 15 I didn't put him in my top 10 mostly just because he missed the entire second half of the decade I can't take away from what he accomplished in the first half but that's why I didn't put him in and again I, I figured I honestly figured like you Eck and Prep would probably all have him in in your top five so I felt like it was no harm for me to to represent some other people my number five
0: oh but sorry cut you off oh yeah I'm still mad at WWE for not bringing back the ice cream bars.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. They should have. They still the, should. There's time. Not, I know. There is time because those things were delicious. It's not an over-exaggeration. No, I, love those. <laughs> I loved those bars when I was a kid. Uh, my number five, uh, and this one may be controversial, the Bellas. Really? Yes, because, and my reason being the length of time that they were there the length of time that they were arguably among probably the handful of most popular things in WWE. The fact that their work in reality television helped garner an audience among women, I assume like pretty high among like the LGBTQ community that probably was not there before them. Like there are a lot of people I know, like like guys I know who started getting back into wrestling as adults because their wives were watching Total Divas or because their wives were into the Bellas and they wanted to watch Raw and it's like, oh, now I'm watching it again. So to me, like I feel like they deserve it because I, I think there's no denying their level of popularity. There's no denying the amount of merchandise they sold. There's no denying the level of like young girl fans, grown women fans that they brought into WWE that had never been there before. And the fact that they could probably show up tomorrow and the ratings would go up. Like, if, if they announced tonight the Bellas are going to be on SmackDown tomorrow, I promise you their ratings would probably go up by at least a few hundred thousand. And I don't know how many people you could say that about.
0: <laughs> you picked the Bellas on mm-hmm. your list. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I can't, I can't really argue that pick because I remember when they, when they first left and then they came back in 2013 – I was like, what the hell are they are back for? Like, I just – their initial run – I don't really think they brought anything to television. Um, and then when they came back in 2013, that was a part of Total, Total Divas' debut. And as we, as we know, Total Divas is a must-see television, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Um, and then Total Divas just takes off, and so do the Bells' popularity. And they get over the entire show and everybody on the show. And as much as we say about WWE how much we give a hard time – the Bells is one thing they did right. And I can't... And the Bells... Nikki Bell, the longest-ranking diva champion in history for... That belt got taken off taken off TV. But you can't deny the success of the Bells throughout the decade. And the Bells, good pick. Well, thank you.
1: Yeah, I, I like I said, I assume it probably wouldn't be the most popular pick, and it would be probably controversial to a lot of people. But a big part of... Like the TV show in the business of wrestling is having people care about it and watch it, and I think more than most, the people that liked them cared about them and wanted to watch them. And there are a lot of people who probably would start watching again if they came back.
0: Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and to all you uh, wrestling purists out there, the Bell Twins did start the women's revolution.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that actually that was another part of my point. Was like well, you could talk about the four horsewomen all you want but the popularity of the bellas and like the fan base they helped cultivate are probably what caused like a lot of that audience there for the four horsewomen to capitalize on. Like I don't know if they would have had the success that they had without the bellas kind of like mining that ground first. You know, so to me I thought they were worthy of of top 5 status because yeah. of, because of the reasons that that I that I stated.
0: Yeah, great um, points.
1: So transitioning from the Bellas into Total Divas, I said I I chose to watch. I haven't watched. So I chose to watch the last two episodes instead of watching AEW this week. And it's interesting to me how much better they are at telling stories that make you give a shit. (laughs) On this crappy reality TV show, how much better they are at this than they are on their actual weekly, like TV program where it's supposed to be about storytelling. Like, you, I said this a couple weeks ago, it made me care more about Sonya Deville in three weeks of Total Divas than three plus years on NXT and the main roster.
0: Definitely. Like I look at her figure in a different way now. I'm like, I actually like you.
1: Exactly. And she mentioned (laughs) on last week's episode that she's only 25, which I was blown away that she was that young. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, how much time she has left to still, like, grow and get better is crazy to me. Um, So I don't want to spoil anything for you. Go ahead. That I think you'll care (laughs) about. But, so one thing I'll say, the Iconics, I believe, may have debuted.
0: Yeah, I I did see they, they were on the show.
1: This week. And I can't tell you how much I love that they are not what I thought they were. Like, they got invited to Naomi's girls' trip to, to Pensacola, Florida, and they were not into drinking, they were not into partying, and they actually left really? at home. Yeah, I really? love that they were just like, you know what, this is too much for us, we're just going to go home. Yeah, I was like, oh my, I figured they would be like wild. They were not at all. <laughs> loved it, that they were the exact opposite of what I expected. I thought they were going to be wasted and loving every minute of it and all they wanted to do was like, they were like halfway through their first night out and they were like talking about how they just wanted to go back home because they were tired. I was like, oh my god this is amazing. Uh, So that I loved. Um, We had Carmela, one of her storylines was that Truth wanted her to feature on his next song.
0: I saw that part. So oh, I heard I, I saw the clip.
1: Yeah. and which she struggled with and she said something like she she flopped when he first brought her into the studio. And Truth basically said he was going to have Naomi do it instead. And Naomi talked to Carmela and Carmela was like, "Yeah, you know, like I just feel like that got thrown at me that day, I wasn't ready for it." And Then she ended up going in the studio and and laying down the track and did whatever it was our truth needed her to do on that song. And she said something, like, when they showed her walking out of the studio, like, basically all you need is, like, a little bit of, like, preparation, confidence, hard work, and auto-tune, and you could do anything. <laughs> and it's like, how true is that, though? Like, how many times is it? Like, I could, it's funny, there were two things that happened on this past episode that, like, I directly related to. So that one, the idea of like confidence, hard work, preparation, I could draw a straight line right to that with my running a 5K this year, which is like something that I prepared for for months. It's something I tried to do last year and failed at and actually accomplished it this year because I worked really hard, because my hard work, you know, made my confidence grow. Because, well, I didn't have auto tune uh, to get through a 5K, <laughs> but like those things are like very true. Like, you're obviously going to perform better at something if you're confident that you can do it, if you work hard, if you're prepared for it. And it was like, wow, like that's such an important and true message that I think a lot of people don't realize or just take for granted. And the other one was Nia Jax was trying to learn how to do something off the top rope for WrestleMania. And two things that came out of that one was that she basically admitted that the thing that happened with her accidentally punching Becky Lynch in the face like made her question herself and like her ability in the ring and like shattered her confidence. The other thing was she was having knee pain for like the whole year and she was like struggling to do anything because of this knee pain. And again, this was something that I could relate to just in When I first tried to run that 5K last year, my calf muscles were, like, my calves were just a disaster. I kept having that Achilles tendon injury, I would get these cramps in my calves, and I just couldn't run. And it's there's something, like, very demoralizing about, like, when your body betrays you. Like, when you just feel like I'm physically incapable of doing something, it makes you feel, like, really small. and makes you feel really bad about yourself. And it was like, oh, this is behind. Like, we've been talking... Every week we've talked about Nia Jax being an asshole on Total Divas. And it's like, maybe this is why. Like, her confidence got broken by this thing that happened. Her body feels like it's falling apart. She doesn't believe in herself anymore. And now she's lashing out at everybody around her. Because on this last... On the last week's episode, she lashed out at Rhonda, And she kind of... I mean, you'll see it when you eventually watch it, but...
0: That wasn't a preview.
1: Yeah, but I just have to marvel at the fact that they do such a better job of telling compelling stories and developing characters on the quote-unquote reality show as opposed to the show where the characters and stories are supposed to matter. Like, I don't really know how else I could say it. Like, I would much (laughs) rather watch Total Divas than than I would watch Raw or SmackDown. It's so good. And it's not even
0: close. <laughs> it's not. It's it, it's amazing. Like, Carmella had a fifth storyline this week. Then The yeah. song. Yeah, a song.
1: She had her, her graves, like graves taking her out on this, like, romantic day on the town where they had all these different stops along the way. Like, it was their first time kind of really being out in public together. Yeah, it's, it's just better. Like, I, w- I would sit down tomorrow night, and I'd rather watch the pilot of total divas than watch smackdown
0: oh the pilot's good
1: is it i like i, I would assume it, it's probably not as good just because like of the time they've had to develop it but i would rather watch any episode of total divas than watch the first hour of smackdown
0: tomorrow <laughs> yeah. oh god and it
1: wouldn't even be up for debate
0: we, we, you might have to review the pilot now maybe i will with jojo and uh, eva marie
1: Okay, well, you know what? Yeah, fine. Maybe that's what I'll do. (laughs) Every week I'll watch a new... Or maybe when this season ends, we'll have me watch a new episode from previous (laughs) season Like, I'll go in order. So when we finish this season of Total Divas, you know, I'll start with the pilot, and then I'll just go episode by episode every week. And then over the course of however many weeks that would take, I'll have reviewed every episode of Total Divas on the show. Um, And then the other thing... uh, Sonia's girlfriend, I think her name is like Ariana or Adriana, whatever it is. Her mom, they call her Mama D. This woman is exhibit A <laughs> on why I don't like to date girls with parents. She is all. Do you remember when Bray said to John Cena, he was I believe he was sitting on top of the of the cage. This was when their whole feud was going on, and he told Cena. Your worst nightmares are my dreams come true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, this girl's mom is like, maybe not my, is my nightmare for a parent. There is no dream come, maybe it's my nightmares come true. In, I, I gotta watch this. In a parent, yeah, you, you'll know what I'm talking about when you watch it. It is, all of my phobias about, about a significant other's parents. Um, all wrapped up in one parent. <laughs> so i uh, yeah so yeah let me know what you think when you watch it uh, i don't have anything else from like any weekly program or anything so. do I. who is your
0: number four my number four is chris jericho uh, we talk about this at length every week the ability to just reinvent yourself and be a complete be and have the different look th- throughout a decade and for him what is it 30 years almost basically doing this. Yeah. Fantastic. Came back to do the CM Punk stuff. We also had some great matches with Dolph Ziggler. Didn't see him for a while. Came back sparingly, and then he comes back, I think, the week we started this show. And I talked about the whole Rudy tootie booty thing with the New Day, how... Uh, I remember he did cartwheels in the first thing, and then the whole AJ Styles stuff started. And then a few weeks, a few months later, he's with Kevin Owens, and some of the best storytelling WWE's ever done in the in the decade with the uh, Kevin Owens Jerkers, the best friends in the festival of friendship. And then he does it And unthinkable, goes to New Japan, fights Kenny Omega, and, and uh, becomes a eventually becomes a, the um, the IWGP IC champion, and. Even is the current AEW champion and actually took a leap of faith to join AEW and put his name on it. I think I think Jericho is arguably the goat. You know, it's, it's debatable. Um, some people would would argue Richard, but ill I would never be take wrong. It will be clearly wrong. So Chris Jericho, he's my, he's my number four. The constant evolution of a character, and, and that's the, and that's the thing about the longevity in the business he's been a different guy literally every time so when you see him it's not the, it's not the same thing but except for the music now he has judas but wwe had to break the walls down but other than that it's been a different look every few years for jericho
1: and it mostly has all worked especially the last four years everything yes. he's done has worked uh, he's my number four also actually so we really? actually were yeah uh for all the reasons you just said Uh, And the fact that, so the one thing I think that that I could say a little differently than you did, because I don't want to just repeat everything, is that I feel like most of us thought like his time had passed. Like, I I believe when he came back at the the end of 2015 or the beginning of 2016, we probably all looked at him like the way we would look at like Triple H coming back or... The Undertaker coming back or Kane coming back. Like, okay, we get it. He's a legend. We don't really need to see him. So, there was that point where I don't think anyone was like fully invested in Jericho. But this whole second half of the decade, he just kept topping himself and doing like the best stuff in wrestling like constantly. Uh, So, the fact that he basically came from a point where we all had kind of given up on him to now he's everyone looks at him like, oh, he's one of the best to still do it. I think that's something he deserves credit for, because how many times does somebody get to the point where you're kind of like, okay, I get it, enough is enough, and then they become like that level of great. So, yeah, I think a very deserving number four. Uh, my number three is Big Match Ken, Kenny Omega. <laughs> and mainly, like the, the, the only thing I could really say is that you know, he is like his style in the ring is very unique. Is very different from anyone else. He had a run where like almost every match he had, the hardcore wrestling fans thought it was like the greatest match they had ever seen. And not many people can say that. He just kept topping himself and having great matches with everyone that he faced. He had that great feud with Jericho. I think that like he in some ways he's probably overrated. I mean, I'm sorry, underrated by a lot of like the general wrestling fan because they probably were not invested so much in New Japan. But having watched all of those matches, having seen the way that he like blew up, especially like immediately after AJ Styles left New Japan, like the way Kenny Omega just kind of took on that role, like that's a big deal to fill those shoes. And the way that he was having matches and doing things on the other side of the world that were being so widely recognized here. Uh, yeah, I think he deserves to be number three. Definitely deserves to be in everyone's top ten. Um, my number two actually is AJ Styles. And that basically comes down to the fact that, like, the longevity. Oh,
0: wait, wait, hold up. Let's mm-hmm. get number three.
1: Oh, Omega was my th- Oh, you didn't do your 3. I, I Omega my three. was my 3. Okay, who was your 3?
0: My number 3 is John Cena. Okay. A lot you know, a lot of people gave him flack for the longest time, but constant throughout the entire decade, even when he was injured, he'd be back in a month. Like he, this guy is like Superman, you could say. Especially like the the the, the moment with for with for, uh Cena was of course, everybody will go back, harken back to the uh, the CM Punk match at Money in the Bank '11, but what put it what really put everybody over the top for put Cena over the top for everybody was the U.S. Open Challenge, mm-hmm. and it kind of and that was the time where like the Cole, Kenny, Young Buck style actually started to become popular, and, and Cena would come on to have those type of matches yes. with Cesaro, with Cesaro, Kevin Owens, and guys like that on a weekly basis, and actually, you know put, like, you know, raise them up a level, you can say.
1: And yeah, when a lot of these idiots were saying he was burying everyone, he was actually making all of those guys matter.
0: Yeah, and my, one of my, my favorite quote of uh, the decade, who would have thought John Cena would have been in the match of the night? <laughs> <laughs> who could have possibly
1: thought John Cena would be in the match of the night? I don't know, maybe anybody that's watched them.
0: Yeah, like John Cena, he's won a match of the year award on this on this podcast, and when we do matches of the decade, I'm sure he'll have matches on that card as well. He'll probably be a majority majority of them. But John Cena's like constant professional, always available. And he big match, John, as I, they always say. He really lives, lives up to that name because he always shows up and always puts on an excellent performance. And John, I need him. I miss him so much. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm sure we'll see him again relatively soon.
0: Yeah, and and John Cena on Total Divas throughout the decade, excellent.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no argument for me. Not that I watched a lot of it, but anything I saw was excellent. excellent. Uh, So I kind of spoiled my number two already by saying it, but my my number two is AJ Styles. Basically, the fact that he was the face of TNA uh, for all those years, the fact that he went to New Japan and became like the face of that, Became like the number one guy not in WWE. And then came to WWE and like not only lived up to all the expectations, probably exceeded any expectation anyone could have had. He had that amazing debut at the Rumble with Roman Reigns. He had that great feud with Jericho leading up to WrestleMania. He then obviously went on to have like one of my favorite feuds in the time we've done this podcast, which was his feud with John Cena. You know, the, the match at SummerSlam when he got the clean win over Cena. I just think this guy did so much in so many places, and then to come on to the big stage in WWE where a lot of people thought he might not quite fit. And he basically came in and hit a home run for the first two years. I mean, he even had like he had the best match at WrestleMania with Shane McMahon. Hey, who nobody would have thought that, right? He he had that iconic shot at WrestleMania. I actually his, just saw the, it recently. The wind blowing the wind in blowing. his hair, like come on. <laughs> John Cena, my number two. I'm, I'm sorry, AJ Styles, my number two. Amazing worker in the ring. Uh, a guy who I th- I didn't expect much from as a talker, who became great. During his feud with John Cena, like some of my favorite promos were his promos on John Cena. He did great stuff with Randall Orton, who I hate. Like the guy is one of the greatest of all time. And to me, like I said, my number two guy of the decade.
0: All right. So my number two, you had him lower than I did. So my number two is Daniel Bryan. Mm -hmm. I don't know where to start with this guy. Uh, Everything hit, you know, and when he first came in with the Nexus, Michael Cole was, as annoying as Cole was on commentary as a heel, he was integral in telling the whole thing of Bryan story about how he's a dork and stuff. And Brian, you know, that's really him, but he actually like lived up, played it off on television. And then he turned heel eventually. Mm-hmm. won the world title and was what was paired with AJ Lee. And then she stands him up. With, oh, he loses the title to Sheamus, and you start getting that personality. Out of him, the, the team, the, the team hell no stuff starts, and you see all his personality, and the team hell no skits, best of the decade. The only thing that would rival the team hell no skits is when Maurice and uh Miz were John and Nikki on total, yes. on total divas or bells, whatever they were playing off of, and th- and then. We, get, we go a couple a, a year later he's on that incredible ride to the world title being that underdog and also like also changing how WWE did business but with awarding the rewarding the worker and, and the worker being at the top of the card and being a world champion him CM Punk they had those matches in 2012 but 2013 2014 Daniel Bryan the yes the yes movement it took off it was a phenomenon basically you saw it everywhere in sports and then the injury happens. but then Everybody wanted him back so bad. And then he inevitably does return at WrestleMania last year. Now, granted, his run after WrestleMania was not good at all. But then this year, he won the world title last year in November. And then he puts on an excellent performance in the storyline with Kofi Kingston and basically flipping the switch. And he's antagonizing Kofi Kingston and Kofi Kingston's being the Daniel Bryan role. So I think that like put Daniel Bryan over the top even more for me. For his decade, so Daniel Bryan's my number two.
1: So yeah, and (coughs) another thing I kind of want to give him credit for, and this is kind of like, it's a very specific thing, but the fact that Daniel Bryan was known during his babyface run, like the way he was talked about by the people who were supposed to be his antagonists was like, you're too small, you're a B-plus player, like all these things. And that one night when I believe Vince brought him out, like, Kofi had beaten all these guys. It might have been the night of the gauntlet match, whatever it was. And I believe Vince came out and says, you have to get through one more guy, and he sends down Daniel Bryan. And it was like the the, the very idea that Daniel Bryan, who was billed as too small, a B-plus player, is walking down the ramp, and he felt for the first time like a villain. It almost felt to me like the way people would say, like, you're going to have to face The Undertaker. Like... This is like your death sentence. You have to go face the Undertaker. The way Daniel Bryan walked down there, I was like, oh my God, this is the first time I see him as like a villain and the first time I see him as threatening. And I'm not looking at him as that he's too small. I'm not looking at him as like he's not on the same level as like Randy Orton or John Cena. It's like, oh my God, this is the guy that we don't know if Kofi Kingston can get past him. Like he deserves a lot of credit for being able to like carry that after all the years of being built to us as the exact opposite of that. Uh, so yeah, I, I think he's an excellent choice as number two. Uh, who do you have as your number one?
0: My number one is AJ Styles. We talked. We talked. You talked about it when you when you. Uh, what's the number your three? Number three. Number two. Who's your number two? Yeah, you just talked about it. He was in the four major promotions and throughout the decade before AEW came around, held three of the promotions world titles. And like you said, labeled a TNA guy, who would have thought within 9 months he would have been the world champion. And like you said, like when
1: and not just he, like we made we decided to make him the world champion. It was like he felt like he was that. You know yeah, what I mean? He, like there, are, earned, plenty of, yeah, there are plenty there are plenty of guys it. where it's like okay, you made him the champion. AJ Styles felt like yes, he's rightfully he's the top guy.
0: Yeah, so like like like, like I said, like within nine months, he debuts of the Rumble one of the biggest moments of the decade too, because nobody ever thought what AJ Styles would be in WWE, we would never thought we would never see the day. And his New Japan and New Japan slash Ring of Honor run that got him a lot of spotlight. And then remember, remember when that news broke, it was like breaking news. Like WWE, they they somewhat acknowledged it. Like what are they, they put on the head? I think the headline was our top new Japan stars coming to WWE. So they acknowledged it. So it had to be true, but the matches, the things he said he had with John Cena. So great. Uh, the whole Dean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the stuff with Ellsworth in retrospect, was a lot of fun. And um, like I said, I haven't seen everything he did in TNA, but his send-off with Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom before he came to WWE, WWE, got kicked out of the Bullet Club. I thought that was fantastic. But <clears throat> believe it or not, AJ's been in WWE for almost four years now. It, it seems like it's only been a year, but it's actually it's been four years now. And I haven't seen all the TNA stuff, but I know about AJ's stuff in TNA. I know he's always been fantastic and underrated. So I think he's right where he deserves at number one on my list.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, number two, number one for you. I I could have easily made a case for him as number one. Uh, My number one is John Cena. I felt like I would not be being true to the character I've developed on Matt Madness if I didn't have John Cena number (laughs) one. Uh, Part of it is because – a little part of it is because of that. But mostly it's because the guy has been – the truly like the most important the most recognizable guy in the industry to the masses for the whole decade uh if you ask anybody, anybody on the street name me a guy currently in WWE i guarantee you more than 50% of people would say john cena uh he's a guy who One was able to play to the kids and be a role model to kids and be a hero to kids. He was a guy who, like you said, was able to do that stuff while also putting on the kinds of matches that people didn't think he was capable of doing uh, with guys that probably were technically better than him in the ring. Um, I think partially it's because he was so hated for most of the decade by most of the hardcore wrestling fans and I feel like even though we were probably ahead of the curve with our uh, warming up to Cena, I do feel like at this point most people actually respect him and appreciate him and I think the fact that he was able to do enough great work to win so many people over that hated his guts tells you a lot about how great he is and if he came back this week he'd get a huge ovation He's another guy. Like, if you announced right now on social media John Cena will open SmackDown tomorrow, they'd probably get a million more viewers just for the fact that they announced John Cena was going to be there. So the biggest name the whole decade was, like, in probably the biggest main events of the whole decade, had some of the greatest matches of the decade, had some of the greatest feuds of the decade, some of the greatest promos of the decade, and really is the biggest star since like that last generation of stars left and there's nobody really close uh yeah to me number 1 a lot of like the the top two guys AJ and Cena for me I think are pretty for me they're pretty interchangeable I think Daniel Bryan you know a case could be made he's right in the conversation but I still would be curious what X top 10 of the decade would be I'd be curious what preps top 10 of the decade would be and I'd be curious what uh Joey's top 10 of the decade would be, but let's just run down our list one more time because we did do this a little bit disjointedly so everybody has a clear picture of our top 10s. I'll start with mine. 10, Bray Wyatt. 9, Becky Lynch. 8, Kevin Owens. 7, Jay Lethal. 6, Daniel Bryan. 5, The Bellas. 4, Chris Jericho. 3, Kenny Omega. 2, AJ Styles. And 1, John Cena. And Alo, who was yours again?
0: Uh, mine was number 10, Dolph Ziggler, nine, Cody, eight, The Shield, seven, Sasha Banks, six, The Elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, five, CM Punk, four, Chris Jericho, three, Giant Cena, two, Daniel Bryan, number one, AJ Styles.
1: So two pretty different lists with a couple that kind of intersected. Uh, next week, hopefully, we'll get lists from a couple other guys just out of my sheer curiosity. Hopefully hopefully they have a list put together before they listen to ours. Cause I don't want ours to like influence them to put somebody on that we didn't or take somebody off that we both had. Um, but anyway, any final thoughts, Alo?
0: Yeah. Um, I posed the question on Instagram and, uh, Donovan, gave a response. His was KO, CM Punk, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Brian, Tyson Kidd, Del Rio, Cody, Cesaro, and Rusev. Um, also, uh, for my honorable mention, I really tried to fit the Miz in there.
1: You know, I what? really tried. I completely forgot about him, and I might have put him on there had he not slipped my mind.
0: It was between him and Dolph. Like I, I was fighting, and then Finn Balor, because Finn Balor, uh, part of the Bullet Club when it got big, he was a- the original member of the Bullet Club. He was that first real big New Japan signing WWE got in the face of NXT. For for, for all those two and a, for those two years he was there. I really wanted to put him in there, but I I couldn't like couldn't talk myself really into it.
1: Yeah, my personal honorable mentions were the New Day, the Young Bucks, Sasha Banks, uh, CM Punk, and Roman. Uh, and now I'll put the Miz on there because, like I said, it just completely slipped my mind. I came up with those fifteen. And I I never thought of them. Um, So, yeah, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Anyone that listens to this that would like to share your top ten, feel free to do so uh, on Instagram. What is our Instagram?
0: Matt Madness Podcast. All right,
1: so feel free to to share that with us there. Um, Hopefully the wrestling product for the next week is better than what we got for the previous week. I can't promise that I'm going to watch any of it. But I will promise I will watch Total Divas by the time we have recorded next week. Uh, so for Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery Jr. And we will see you. Got him now. Put him down right now. Hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand This is Superman, it's a summer Slam. Here we go again, fans mocking man Man, I hate my balls, Shut the Mr. McMahon It ain't safe the land, off the cell Fans love it, ain't hard to tell Talking madness, awesome, well What I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell